Smarties, today we are very excited to welcome CAP Educational Therapy Group team member and learning specialist, Nakia Pinnell. In this episode, she shares with us about her career journey. She shares what drew her into the educational therapy world and what she likes about the work that we do. And she also talks to us about some of the strategies that she has learned in ed therapy school and how she is using them in real life and in practice with her clients. Smarties, both CAP Educational Therapy Group in Beverly Hills and my ed therapist in Redondo Beach, California are hiring. If you are like Nakia and you're interested in dipping your toe into the educational therapy world, or you are already a certified educational therapist, we want to hear from you. You've got to be local to us in California. And if you aren't local to us in California, go ahead and reach out as well. We are looking to hire in person right now, but... We love talent, and usually we can make whatever work if you are the right fit for our practices. My ed therapist does all the things, and CAP Educational Therapy Group focuses on learners with ADHD and or executive functioning issues. You can learn more about how to become part of our teams at our websites, which are www.capedtherapy.com and www.myedtherapist.com. Both of those links are in the show notes. Now, let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Rachel Cap, And I'm Stephanie Pitt. And today we are super excited to welcome CAP Educational Therapy Group team member Nakia Pinnell to the podcast. Hi, Nakia. Yay. Hi. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Of course. We're so excited to have you on the podcast and to sort of talk to you a little bit about your journey and what brought you to work for my practice and what brought you ultimately to the decision to get your educational therapy certification. So let's start off by sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do and your story. Absolutely. So I'm a learning specialist at CAPED Therapy. In fact, I think I just celebrated my one year did with you. Did you? I can't I did. believe it's been a year, Nikia. <laughs> it has. Nikia, have we ever met in person? No. Okay. <laughs> I've only met Katie and Deanna. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I know you. That's I know. So I know. Funny. And I have no idea how tall you are. I've only ever I'm super average woman, like five, <laughs> <Okay>. six, <laughs> like, you know. Okay. So happy one year. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So tell us a little bit about what led you to the decision to apply and to join our team. So gosh, I think I found you guys in like that November prior. Mm. I found the posting on Indeed mm-hmm. and I just liked how enthusiastic the post was. And I was like, oh, this sounds really cool. And then when I found your website, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, got it. Okay. Because I've worked as a paraeducator before. I've worked in SPED for a long time. I've worked in education for 17 years, 18. And it just aligned with everything that I was like been wanting to do and actually was doing subconsciously. I didn't realize that there was names for it. So I was already working one. I already had like a mini caseload. I was working one-on-one with kids. And I was like, oh, I'm doing this already. Oh, executive functioning. Yeah. Hello. Like, (laughs) I know what that is. I know my kids need support with it. 
And I was like, if I can take this on and actually apply it directly, I think that would be awesome. And then, you know, I met with Corey and then I met with you and then that was that. And here I am. And <laughs> I'm a learning specialist. I guess you can say my specialties are reading and writing. So a little bit of a segue when I was searching for jobs at the time, you know, and I did indeed, you put in like something for the search. I typed in games. I was actually <laughs> looking for my boyfriend who plays D&D. And I was like, oh, maybe you can find, you know, the job in games. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. And then your posting came up too. And that intrigued me. <laughs> I was like, I love learning through games. Like that is so cool. I was like, forget him. Like <laughs> this is, this is good for me. <laughs> I do hilarious. this. I miss this. Yeah. I worked with elementary. I was a preschool teacher like you, Rachel, for a while. And I'd use games all the time, constantly to learn. And I do it now with one of my clients at CAP. And it's so funny. I asked him, I said, do you know why we do this? <laughs> yeah. You know why we're playing Jenga right now? <laughs> and he was like, for that thing you say, executive functioning, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's, <laughs> like, that thing. he's like, and it's fun. I said, it's totally fun. And then I was like, there's one more thing. He's like, uh, and I was like, critical. He's like, critical thinking. I love that you use metacognitive awareness in that way. And you're teaching him why you're playing the game. That's also important too, because we don't want our clients going back to their parents and them being like, what did you do today? Oh, we played because parents don't necessarily know why you've chosen that. So then you gave him the language for it, which is great too. Exactly. The other thing, can I speak to my experience of when Corey shared about you with me? Because <laughs> um, Corey does the first pass of interviews. That's or she right. <laughs> did the first pass of interviews. And now Katrina does for both practices. One of the things Corey told me was, Nikia used to work at Trader Joe's. I did. <laughs> and I was like, let's get her. Because as we all know, Trader Joe's is the best. And the people who work at Trader Joe's are the best. I don't know how they screen it out of you. The people who work there just have such strong character. And so I really liked that about you. And you worked at Trader Joe's for a while too, for right? For a decade. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> for a whole decade. Oh, that's, I forgot about that part. Yeah, I loved that about you. <laughs> I will say for people listening, Trader Joe shout out. It was a lot of fun. I loved it. Great crew, great friends. I met my boyfriend there. He was a crew member. <laughs> See, it's good people. If, oh, that's so cute. I wasn't even looking for one at the time. I was going to graduate school and I was like, I don't want to deal with boys. <laughs> I got stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> so very quickly after joining the practice, you started talking to me and Katie. And if you haven't heard Katie's episodes on the podcast, we'll link those in the show notes. You started talking to us about what it would take to get your ed therapy certification. So can you talk a little bit about your thought process and why that was something that you wanted to further pursue. Yeah, absolutely. At the time I was still working in SPED and I was also working with your practice. And I was like, gosh, I think I know what I'm doing. I, I feel good about it, but I feel like there's something more, there's something missing. And remember I'd listened to the podcast prior and I'd remember you guys had gotten certification in educational therapy. And I was like, it's gotta be somewhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Google great friend to all. And UCR came up and I believe CSUN and then Loyola. Cause I do remember asking you and Katie, cause you both went to both. And I was like, Hey, what's the deal? Like, tell me more about it. And you guys told me, and I wanted to be in person originally just cause I like being the student. I like being a student also. <laughs> it's just nice. Also on the other end, not to have to plan everything and grade everything, yeah. you know, um, because I have taught still teach, but anywho, um, yeah, I was like, man, that'd be really cool. And I can meet people, et cetera. But then I was like, at the time I was like, you know, we have COVID and we have all this other stuff. And I was like, I'll just do it online. It's 
easier and more accessible. And after you guys talking about your experience, I was like, well, let me see what UCR has. It's a little bit closer if I needed to get there. UCR's University of California, Riverside. Yes. Go on. Fun fact, in my undergraduate years, I thought about going to Riverside too. So I think that was like in my brain somewhere of like, oh yeah, Riverside. Ah. So I just kind of checked it out and the price was right. I liked what the classes had offered and I liked the synopsis of like what it is and what each class was, et cetera. And I was like, let me just try the first class and see what that's like. And Rachel, I don't know if you remember this, but you actually bought me my first book. (laughs) I do remember that. Yeah. It was really sweet. You were like, here, congratulations. And I was like, oh. (laughs) And that first book is Strategy Instruction for Students with Learning Disabilities. I'll um, link you guys right here. And this one honestly changed everything for me in terms of understanding. I was like, oh my gosh, I've been doing that for years. I was doing metacognition forever and I had no idea that's what it was called. No clue until I read like the chapter and I was like, oh. Isn't that crazy how sometimes the word for it transforms your thinking about an idea, an idea that maybe you had been noodling around with, but you didn't have language for it. And now you have language. And that's one of the reasons I actually love doing the podcast too, because we'll come up with a topic idea and then Steph and I have to figure out what we think about it. And so it's constantly encouraging us to give language to our thoughts. We'll make sure to link the book in the show notes as well. Cool. And that's the same, like, so SEL, social emotional learning, right? Super important. Same thing, name your emotion, right? So it's like, name your strategy. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I remember I was talking to you and I was like, you're like, just try the class. It's cost efficient. See if you like it. And I was like, I don't know. The, The big thing I was on the fence one was online learning. Because I haven't had the greatest experience in the past with it, just, you know, just because. And I was like, eh. But it turned out to actually be really great. My professor was super sweet and super fun. She would post like all her notes and she would do videos of herself with her kids and teaching different strategies and how they worked. She was super encouraging. And the work was on my own, which was great because I took it over the summer and I was super slammed over the summer teaching creative writing all day full time. And I would come home, I would just sit there with my book and be typing. But it was nice because I could just get my pajamas, have a snack and some tea and just chill. It was attainable. And I will say that had I not had my education prior, I have a master's in English and a BA in English as well, that I think this would have been harder because I have all those skills to build off of, of like research and reading and pacing myself and learning when to annotate, when to stop and when to engage and when to take notes. So that was extremely helpful. It made my studying time go to like maybe two hours to even less, 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 like a night. So it was like at one point I was just doing like an hour of studying. And this is my first class. And she would post questions like, in chapter so-and-so, what did you think of this? And like, in this, what do you think of that? And then it was a forum of about 10 of us Mm -hmm. and all different people. We had like counselors, we had teachers, we had people like me who were in sped we had people who were just curious and wanted to learn more and were homeschool teachers and wanted to build upon that. And so we all got to talk to each other too, which was cool because we had to do like two replies each. And it was like, oh, Nakia, I really like what you said about that. And I was like, oh, you know, John, I really enjoyed that you do this with your kids. So there was still camaraderie there, which I wanted. So that worked. And I still kind of remember some of the people and like, they're like, let's collaborate later and talk and go further. Nikia, was that the class where the podcast came up? Principles of Education Therapy when I interviewed you. Ah, okay. Yeah. And that was the one I think you've both taken. The Clinical Practice of Therapy. Yeah. 
Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, because I'm borrowing Katie's book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I actually sent Deanna with yours, Rachel. She was like, ah, and I was like, read this. <laughs> she messaged me and was like, can I borrow this? And I'm like, yes, you can borrow whatever you want in the office. <laughs> it's all welcome for you. Super helpful. So that was the second class. So I completed my first one in the summer. My second one, I believe, was like spring. And then my next one is scheduled for February like 21st. So yeah, first class was students with learning disabilities. So strategy instruction. And then the next one was clinical practice of educational therapy. And the next one is the psychology of the human brain. Mm, Which sounds interesting. I'm excited. I'm really excited because I love psychology. I was going to say, so do you think taking away that you've had some time in this bed world and you've done some teaching and spent some time in the classroom and all of that, would you say that these are things that you're learning that you knew or they're new or they're, you're just getting language about them? I'd say it's both. Okay. So for example... I was doing something with a student with anatomy and I knew what we were doing, like reading subheaders, taking guesses, making predictions, making notes, et cetera, and looking for keywords. But I didn't know the language for it until I found it in here. And I was like, oh, there it is. And then there's new things like for math that I didn't know. And then there's new things that, you know, for reading and writing again, that I didn't know. It's a mix of both. And I remember actually sharing with some of my co-workers of like, Hey, you know, try out the strategy with your kid and see if it works. And they were like, it worked. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, cool. And, you know, I think it's just a matter of like getting, having that language, breaking it down. And when you have a better understanding of something, it makes just life easier for everyone. Yeah. Being able to say, I'm happy. You're able to go, Oh, great. So then you're happy. And then you can have a discussion about it. You can talk about it. You can even be like, oh, well, I'm not feeling good. You know, I'm sad. Okay. So you name it. Why are you sad? And it opens doors to conversation. It just helps overall for everybody involved and especially like yourself. Mm. So going back to that language and terminology. Yeah. So I want to be explicit and I'll just be flat out with our audience about why we're doing this episode. We want to encourage those classroom teachers who are Searching for something more and who are contemplating perhaps going into the fields of educational therapy. And I was like, Nikki is a great person to talk about this. And we'll be doing more episodes on this coming up. But what would you say to somebody about the benefits of this one-on-one work and being in ed therapy school and why this was the path that was right for you right now? Yeah, absolutely. I'll answer that question a little backwards. So why it's the right path for me right now is I'm way more confident. I'm way better at what I do now with my clients one-to-one and even with my own you know, students. And overall, I feel like when I walk away from a session, I'm like, yeah, cool. Mm. We both got this. And I can explain my student why I'm doing it, which I did recently with some reading um, discussion and questions. I was like, you know why I'm like asking you these things? Like why I'm asking predictions and characterization? And she's like, yeah. She's like, you're just trying to get me to be more engaged with the text. I said, exactly. Mm. I said, I know that you passive read and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but I think for you, it'd just be better if you engaged with it more. And she's like, no, no, it helps my memory. It helps me when I, in class, I'm able to go, oh, this is this character and I can write it down. How old is this learner that you're talking about? She just turned 12. Wow. Yeah. I've been working with her for a year in March. 
perfect. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> so working backwards, again, there's that confidence there. That's that walking away from the session going, great. Everybody's on board. We all understood. And we all know why we're doing this. And I'm not just making you answer these questions for whatever reason. There's an actual process there. And then working from that, I'd suggest for any teachers and anybody in SPED, even just these one-off classes taught me so much more than, I don't know, I was expecting, I guess. It was a great surprise. And again, it was just one of those things of like, oh, I've been doing that. Duh, that's what it's called. And this book I have is just like, there's notes all over it. You know, I refer to it a lot. And I think it's just a great way to stay on top of your learning because I know that's important for teachers and it's just important to renew yourself and to refresh yourself. And especially with those students that you have who even may not have learning disabilities or an IEP or a 504 in your class, maybe something works better for them that you didn't think about. And you're like, oh, what if we diagrammed this word problems instead? And you can help those learners who are struggling in the first place, because as we all know, not all children learn the same. Isn't that the theme of this podcast for sure? (laughs) And I love the fact that you brought up that it's not just for kids with a diagnosis because we can make learning more efficient, engaging, and fun for learners who don't have the diagnosis and are just struggling in one domain. I was just going to say, you know, I think this says a lot for who we are as educational therapists because we really want to learn more ourselves and learn how to help more people and being reflective on our own journeys. And, you know, Nikia, for you being in the classroom as a student right now, you're coming from a place of such understanding for them. And I'm sure that that is a relief to some of the kids, you're not just standing there saying, do this, do this, do this, because that's not how we work. But I didn't find this career until later. And I am forever grateful because I will never go back into the classroom. Mm-hmm. Before I found it, I never wanted to go back into the classroom. And so this is just the start of us saying to people who are listening, if it sparks anything in you, if you just got that little feeling of sometimes when you get the shivers or get little goosebumps when you get that feeling, if you feel like you would like this, go for it. Would you agree with that, Nakia? Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to make a tax joke. So (laughs) (laughs) on California state taxes, right, there is a box you could check that says lifelong learner. (laughs) Mm. Credit. (laughs) So I will identify myself as a lifelong learner. I've always taken classes to always improve something. I've taken photography, I've taken creative writing. You know, I'm looking and taking Spanish to reinforce that and help me more with that. And just for fun, right? Like going to a CC and just being like, hey, I've always been interested in anthropology. Why don't I just take this class? (laughs) I I think it's a great way to, again, to spark joy, if we can say that. Um, Mm Just kind of, again, engage. I love that word to engage yourself with that part of you that's still a student who still loves to learn. Because how many of us from the age of two, even three up have been in a classroom up until we're like 22, maybe 23, continuing education, maybe up to 26, 27, whatever, right? You know, we are used to being students. And there is something comforting in that, I'd like to say, at least for me where I can sit in my desk and raise my hand and say, you know, (laughs) 
this is what I've learned, et cetera. Get to know my teachers in the office hours. And it's just, it's really cool. And to learn something that I'm passionate about that I've been doing forever that, you know, you can always improve the wheel and always just kind of share that with your students, with your colleagues, whoever. Right. And I mean, why not? Like, (laughs) let's all learn something new. I don't know. Like, I'm going to go take some archery classes soon. So, like, why not? Right? (laughs) Put it so simply, why not? He had such a beautiful spirit. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about one of the reasons this episode came about was because you were telling me about some stuff that you had learned. And I'm like, I don't know some of this stuff. And... I don't know that stuff does, and I don't know that our audience does. And so what are some of your new favorite strategies that you've learned in school? Here's a great reading strategy that I like, that I use, um, and it's called Scroll, S-C-R-O-L. And actually, unlike some of the other ones, this one does match the letters. So <laughs> I'll give you an example. So if you're looking at an anatomy textbook, and if we could picture that in our minds, if we open it up, there's a lot of pictures some of the words are bolded. Some of the words are uh, highlighted, maybe like with yellow or bolded as well. And it's broken up with subheaders and broken up in paragraphs, right? So for example, scroll, survey the headings, S, and it says respiratory system. Mm -hmm. If I was with a learner, I'd say, okay, before we do anything, what's this going to be about? And then respiratory. Well, what is that? Oh, that's breathing. Probably be about lungs, maybe um, how our lungs work and how our bodies, you know, work within that. Cool. Great. So now we know, and we have an idea in our head of what that might mean. And then the next one is connect, which is ask yourself, how do the headings relate to one another? So I'd be like, all right, cool. What's the next heading? Is it cells? Okay. So what are we going to learn about? How do you think that connects? Oh, okay. Maybe it's like the cells and the lungs and how they repair or how they work within that system. And then it's write down the keywords from the headings that might provide connections. I do it all verbally just because I have all my clients via Zoom. But in person, I'd have them open up a notebook and just start taking notes and stuff. And if they were allowed to mark up the text, I'd have them do that too. The next is read the text. So read that chunk of those paragraphs or two or however much your learner is comfortable with. And then like as you read, look for words and phrases that express important information. So for example, maybe they're talking about airways and maybe they're talking about, I think it's aoli, which is they're in the lungs. can't remember right now. <laughs> so it's like, all right, so are there any glossary terms in here that we need to connect with and why, et cetera. Important details. Again, going back, it's annotating, but in a different way. You're not just like, oh, this is how I feel about this. You're more of more like, okay, this is what this is. This is why this is important. Next thing is outline. So if I was on a Google doc, sharing a Google doc with a student, I'd be like, okay, you know, write that subheader, write down the glossary terms, write down what you've learned from after reading that. Not a summary, just quick bullet notes. And then outline again. So then we start titling this outline and cleaning it up. Outlining major ideas, supporting details in the heading segment. Okay, respiratory system, what else? You know, and I push them, what else? What else is it that connects with this in this reading? And then the last one is look back. So then you check, you read back and you look at the accuracy. Did did it make sense or were you totally off the mark? And you started writing about, I don't know, the arms. (laughs) Like you totally forgot you were in the respiratory system. So correct any inaccurate information. Was I correct in this? Was I not in my predictions, et cetera? So basically what it is, is encouraging your student, your learner to, again, be a part of this. 
rather than just taking and high. How many kids just highlight a whole paragraph and not know what they were highlighting? Oh yeah, the whole. Paragraph. Then having it stick, every right. word. You're like, wait, it's all important. <laughs> well, tell me what that was. Yeah. What about the glossary term? What's going on? So, and it makes it stick because there is, and I don't know. This is just a general psychology thing of like how they say to have us write it down on a piece of paper because we're going to remember it better because we we're doing the act of writing, transcribing, and it'll probably stick in here better. Most likely it does. And it's that whole thing of engaging all your senses and all your learning devices with that. Yeah. So that one I use a lot, especially if I'm dealing with any science textbooks, history textbooks too. Works yes. really well with history textbooks. So anything that's like a textbook, I'd say works okay with reading a novel, but I just kind of scrambled up a bit. I'd be like, okay, what does the chapter say? Yeah. What do you think it's going to be about? I love the fact that you just talked about how you iterated it. And because that's one of the things that I love about the work that we do, we can iterate and we can make it creative and we do individualize it for each individual learner and what we're particularly working on within that learner. So why don't you give us one more of your favorite strategies? Yeah, I actually have two more. So this one actually works for novels. So this is one I actually just used yesterday. Great. They call it WWW plus two. And it's who, what, where, and then how. So basically, for example... Like WWW? Yeah, it's like who, when, where, what, what, how, how. So it's WWW plus two. So it's like what, what, and then how, how. Okay. I know, it's kind of funny, right? Yeah, sometimes I don't remember the acronym and I'm just like, all right, we're just going to do this. But you know the strategy. (laughs) I know the strategy, yeah. So yesterday we were reading a chapter out of my client's novel And she likes reading, but it's hard for her to remember important things and connections. And sometimes if she doesn't like the text, she checks out. Luckily, this one she does like, so it's kind of fun for her. So again, it'd be like, okay, who's the main character? Great. Is it, you know, is it this? Because this one, actually, every chapter is a different character perspective. So I was like, who's speaking now? You know, who else is here? So I'm making her make those connections. And we do it verbally. And sometimes we'll take notes depending on what the teacher asks. When does it take place? And that one, she's learning that it doesn't say in 1992, say, uh-uh, let's look at context clues. It would be like, oh, they're playing this kind of music. Well, what kind of music is that? Oh, it's old. Well, what do you think? Let's look it up. Oh, it's 1978. So what does that tell you? You know, oh, it's, it's in the 70s, right? So things like that. Um, where does it take place? So for example, we had characters running through a scene and it didn't tell us exactly where, but it gave us a lot of like, indications of like supermarkets and people and things. And she goes, Oh, I think this is New York. I said, why do you think that? Because of, you know, I've seen this before, or I know of it, or it just, it sounds like a really busy city. So those kind of things. And then what does the main character do? Is she sad? Is she happy? Is she going to be with her friends? Why is she going to be with her friends? Is she with her family? And then we'll like read like a chunk and then like, okay, what is she doing now? What happens in the story when they try to do it? So like, for example, this character is trying to create a club. So I was like, well, I asked her, I said, before we read any further, what do you think is going to happen with this club? She's like, I think it's going to be successful. I said, why? Because the character is really passionate about it. I said, good. Let's keep that in mind. What does that tell you about her character? I think she's going to be passionate throughout the whole thing. I think she's going to be a good friend. I think she's going to stand up for what she believes. I said, great. What does that tell you about the rest of the book? She says, I think this is going to be about how she grows. I said, good. 
how does the story end? We don't do that one that much. Sometimes we'll kind of talk about like, what do you think the conclusion is going to be? What do you think is going to come out of this? Oh, I think they'll, you know, go to their teacher in the next chapter and talk about this club. Cool. I usually keep that one again toward the end, like last chapter of like, what do you think is going to happen? And how does the main character feel? Are they sad? Are they happy? And kids can identify with it. They know what it is. Exactly. Exactly. And then with her, I always push. I'm like, well, do they feel enthusiastic? Do they feel apathetic? And I throw the big words. I'm like, do you know what that means? Do you know what? Okay. And then they're like, yeah, sure. It means this, this, and that. Great. Cool. Leading into again, what do you think is going to happen? So that's another one that I like to use, especially with reading, especially with reading. And that's for more novels, long form stories. Yeah. It works for short stories. Condense and change. This is the one I use all the time. Cool. The third strategy is QAR, which is question answer relationship. And I use this one for a lot of short texts, again, history, science. I work with a lot of students who are Jewish. So Jewish law, it really helps Jewish history, things like that, those kind of texts. So basically question answer relationship. It works for longer textbooks, but it works for like shorter, shorter texts. Again, like it's like Jewish law, for example, like if we have those things, we can break it down a little more. Mm-hmm. Some of my students get so overwhelmed when they see a book and they're like, yes, all of our students. Oftentimes when a student has a big textbook in front of them, it's overwhelming. You know, you see subheaders, you see bolded letters, you see highlighted things, you see diagrams and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know where to start. But when you have someone walking you through it and helping you out and getting you to access that learning better, I don't know. I just see my students soar with that and their confidence grow. I see them excited to do things. I see them going, oh, wait, 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 we're going to do this. We're going to do that thing you do, right? That strategy you talk about. And I'm like, yeah, 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 we are. So it's so great to be able to have this at my fingertips and to just know it and practice it. And then just like riding a bicycle just kind of gets ingrained with you. All right. So the third strategy is QAR, which is question, answer, response, relationship. Yeah. Or response. Yeah. It works both ways, I think. So again, curated, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So short text. So for example, I'll just give the example they give me. It's like, what made Albert Einstein a great scientist, right? So short text even works well with like questions like this. I'll probably use this on Wednesday. My student has a test on medieval studies. So I'll be like, what is the feudalist system? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So where do we find it? And it's right there, right? So we look in the text and we go, okay, there's the answer right there. Write it down, copy, paste it. So, or is it think and search? Do you need to think about it and then find it? Or is it on your own and you don't have either of those and you have to maybe do some Googling and you have to look at the resources your teacher gave you and you have to dig through all these things. And then you just keep repeating that for each question or each text that they're looking for. Overall, I can't wait to take my next class. And (laughs) it's true. I, I love psychology. So I'm very curious you know, as to how this one's going to span out. And I think that's, what's cool about this certification is that I'm really excited for each class. I'm excited to meet my professors. I'm excited to learn more. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm really excited to open the textbooks because they have been my gold mine. And again, for anybody who's like, you know, just heard of educational therapy, just like maybe they've heard of executive functioning, or maybe they've heard of these other things, SEL, and metacognition. And they're like, what is all this? It opens up these doors of understanding and learning. And I feel like in general, just making you a better 
teacher overall and, and whatever you teach, how that you define that and just a better communicator and a better, I always think learning and going to school always makes you like just overall more rounded out. You're like, oh, wow, now I've learned this whole thing. And that's really cool. And I have that in my back pocket now. It involves dedication, but it's also, I will say my last class, I wasn't working as much. So I had more time and that was helpful. And again, it's on your own time though. You could start reading at 12 a.m. You can start reading at 6 a.m. in the morning. It's up to you. You know, you have your deadline of answering those questions by Thursday. Great. Just meet that. And I would start early. I used to start on Sunday and just get it all done with. So my, <laughs> my life can continue on through the weekday. I just recommend it. If you are in an educational therapy practice and you're a little bit like, I don't know what I'm doing, or <laughs> I'd like more clarification on things, or I want to feel better about what I'm doing. You don't want to feel like you have imposter syndrome anymore. <laughs> I just highly, highly recommend the books. I highly recommend just checking out a class. My program's a little bit different where they do offer discounts, like early bird discounts, 20%, 10%, depending. I follow them on Instagram. They'll post it. Every now and then I see it, they'll email me, sign up early and you'll get this discount. So that's a big benefit. It's not costly. Honestly, it's really not. And again, I think the best part is making those connections I didn't have before. Like, oh man, I've been doing this forever. (laughs) And I had no idea. First of all, thank you for coming on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you. And sharing with us your story. I also wanted to share that early on when you joined the practice, we had a lot of conversations about you not feeling necessarily as equipped as you would like. Yeah. And what I always told you, and I still believe it to be true, was that I hired you because I knew you had the skill set and I knew you had the talent and I knew you had the creativity to work with our population at Capet Therapy Group, which are learners who struggle with executive functioning and or ADHD. And I'm so glad that through school and also through mentorship and conversations and collaborations that we facilitate in the practice, your confidence and your ownership of your role has really grown over the last year. And I'm excited to see what happens with you. Thank you. As you continue. Thank you. So come join CAP Educational Therapy Group. Come join my therapist (laughs) and the evolution that we make sort of professionally and personally is really fun Mm -hmm. and it's fun to be a part of each other's story. So Nikia, thanks for coming on. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Have a great week, Smarties.